Tuesday night was the deadline for the Orioles to protect any prospects they wanted to from the Rule 5 draft. And unlike when they did this last year, really no big surprises of the five players they protected. We'll talk about who they added, including Grayson Rodriguez, plus where Brandon Hyde fell in the AL Manager of the Year vote. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles. Your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look at the five players who the Orioles added to the 40-man roster on Tuesday night to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. Those five players, Grayson Rodriguez, Joey Ortiz, Seth Johnson, Drew Rahm, and Noah DeNoyer. I'll talk through who each of them are, why each of them got added, and what role they could play in the big leagues in 2023. Plus, we'll take a look at some of the guys who weren't added, who maybe could have a chance of being selected by another organization in the Rule 5 draft. Finally, we'll end with uh, some coaching news that involves the Orioles, including Brandon Hyde, where he finished in the AL Manager of the Year vote, and a couple of former Orioles having some interesting and big for them coaching news come out on Tuesday. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms and make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel as well. Five days a week through the winter meetings through mid-December, all the Orioles off-season talk right here on the pod. And we jump right into kind of the first big date of the off-season. You could say the start of actual free agency, which was back on Thursday, was the first big date. But because Major League Baseball doesn't operate like the NFL and the NBA, you know, you don't get all the signings in like 72 hours after free agency opens, it's kind of a slow burn. And, you know, we saw a couple of moves on the first day and we saw some more moves on Tuesday. We actually saw some more trades as teams were trying to clear 40-man spots and protect players from the Rule 5 draft. But we still haven't seen those huge, huge moves come out just yet. I mean, Anthony Rizzo did go back to the Yankees. We saw Tyler Anderson sign a three-year deal with the Angels. He was definitely an Orioles target. He is off the board. But other than that, not the huge news just yet. But still a significant deadline on Tuesday. At 6 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, it was the deadline to protect prospects from the Rule 5 draft by adding them to your 40-man roster. Now, as we talked back on Tuesday's episode of the pod, the Orioles had six open 40-man spots heading into the day on Tuesday, and basically there felt like there were five guys who had good chances to get added, and then I talked about five or so more who had an outside shot of being added to the roster. And while last year when the Orioles did this, they added six guys, including Logan Gillespie, who kind of came out of nowhere. No one saw him coming to be added to the roster. So on yesterday's episode, I talked about how, hey, maybe the O's will do that again. Well, this year, they honestly did not. The five players that pretty much everyone thought they would add to the 40-man, they did just that and not a player more. So again, the five players who the Orioles added to the 40-man roster on Tuesday, thus protecting them from the Rule 5 draft, were Grayson Rodriguez, Joey Ortiz, Seth Johnson, Noah DeNoyer, 
and Drew Rahm. And what we're going to do is kind of go through each of these guys, talk about their career with the O's and kind of what's next for them now that they're on the 40-man. We'll go through a couple of the guys who weren't on there as well and, and take a look at, at what it means to be protected from the Rule 5 draft itself. But let's just start with that because if you're wondering, you know, what does this deadline even mean? What really is the Rule 5 draft? I wanted to give just a little disclaimer on what it is and why this deadline is important. Essentially, the Rule 5 draft, which happens at the winter meetings every year, this play, this year it will take place on December 7th in San Diego. That's the final day of the winter meetings. The Rule 5 draft was put in place essentially to keep teams from hoarding prospects and keeping them in the minor leagues. You know, you can keep a guy in the minor leagues for as long as seven years before he becomes a free agent. And theoretically, a team could hold on to a player for 13 to 14 seasons because if there was no Rule 5 draft, they could do that because they could hold a guy for seven years, then bring him up to the big leagues right as he becomes a free agent, then hold him in the big leagues for seven years before he becomes a free agent. So the Rule 5 draft was basically to stop teams from doing that and getting good players into the big leagues with other organizations who were maybe blocked or for whatever reason are held down in the minors. So essentially the basis of the rule is three and a half years about, but but basically three years after you're drafted as a college player or four years after you're drafted as a high school player, you become eligible for the Rule 5 draft. So if you are not added to the 40-man roster in that time, or of course you're not in the big leagues by that time, you become eligible for the draft. So for this year, it was anybody who was drafted out of college in the 2019 draft or drafted out of high school in the 2018 draft. So what does it mean if you become available in the Rule 5 draft? Well, another team can scoop you up from the organization. Everybody gets three rounds of picks in the Rule 5 draft and chances to add other players. Basically the way it works, and we know the Orioles have been active in the Rule 5 draft adding players in the past. That's how they got Tyler Wells onto this team was the Rule 5 draft two years ago. But for the guys who are eligible and have not been added to the 40-man roster, you can draft them out of another team's organization and put them in theirs. But here is the caveat for the Rule 5 draft. If you do select a player from another team in the Rule 5 draft, all of these guys, of course, has not been to the big leagues yet, and none of them have been placed on the 40-man roster. Generally, most of them are at AA or lower the previous season. You have to keep that player either on the Major League active roster or on the Major League injured list for the entirety of the following season. So if, you know, say a player who didn't get protected for the Orioles, we'll go with, say, Easton Lucas. Say he gets selected by another team in the Rule 5 draft. Say the Blue Jays select Easton Lucas. For the Blue Jays to keep Easton Lucas around, they would either have to have him on their big league roster or on the big league injured list if he gets hurt for all of the 2023 season. If they don't do that, if they feel he doesn't want a spot, if they want to send him down, he just gets returned to his original team and would be returned to the Orioles. But if they keep him up for the whole year, then he goes into their system. They could then, you know, option him back to the minors in 2024, have him work his way back up, or however they would like to play it. Now, there's a little bit of a difference for injured players. If you're on the injured list for the entirety of the year, that team that selects you does have to have you active for at least 90 days of the following season or you have to be returned. So it doesn't let you just kind of corral injured guys and then keep them in the minor leagues. But the Orioles still did protect Seth Johnson 
a guy who is injured. But that's kind of how the Rule 5 draft works. It's a little bit confusing, but at the end of the day, the point of it is to get guys who are blocked in the minor leagues onto other major league clubs. So for the Orioles, again, they protected five guys who were eligible from the draft. And again, these were the five guys who were kind of the easiest choices for the O's. So let's start with the three locks. I I talked about this on yesterday's episode. There were three stone-cold locks for the Orioles to protect from the Rule 5 draft. And the first one is Grayson Rodriguez. Now, of course, you're thinking, how is Grayson Rodriguez not already on the Orioles' 40-man roster after being drafted in the first round in 2018? And for a while now, he has been the top-rated pitching prospect in all of baseball. Well, The Orioles really should have never been in this position with Rodriguez, the 23-year-old righty, because he should have been in the big leagues in 2022. Now, you could argue, you know, he would have been right before he got that lat injury in June, but he was still in AAA dominating. He goes down with the lat injury in June. He misses three months. And when he's finally healthy and rehabbing at the end of the year, he was healthy enough to, you know, pitch once or twice in the big leagues in late September and October at the end of the year. But the Orioles didn't choose to do it. And I kind of figured they would because they knew they had to add him to the 40-man anyway, but they did not. So that entire time, because he never came to the big leagues, the O's never had to add him to the 40-man roster. But because he was a 2018 high school selection, he was now eligible. So, of course, he was the easy selection. The Orioles' number one pitching prospect, the number two prospect in their system right now, and still a top 10 prospect in all of baseball, who made 17 starts last year and had a 2.62 ERA, including 14 AAA starts where Grayson Rodriguez had a 2.2 ERA and struck out 97 batters with just 21 walks in about 70 innings at the AAA level. Just ridiculous stats. He is going to be on the big league roster next year. And I think it's almost guaranteed, unless he has a horrendous spring training, he is going to be in the opening day rotation for the Orioles. Now, I don't think he's going to be the opening day starter, even if he looks like their best starter. I don't think they would give that to a rookie for his first career start being on opening day. And I'm hoping the O's will bring in a veteran, whether it's via trade or free agency, who kind of deserves that opening day start, or you know, even giving it to a guy like Kyle Bradish or Dean Kramer, who's been here for a little bit. But I think Rodriguez has an inside track, and Michael Elias has said this as well, to be in the Orioles' starting rotation in the big leagues to start the year next year. And he should start developing into an Orioles ace starting then. That's that's the outlook for him going into next season. The second lock for the Orioles was the right-handed pitcher, Seth Johnson, who MLB.com has as the number 10 ranked prospect in the Orioles system right now. Now, Johnson, of course, has never pitched a game In the Orioles system. In fact, came over to the Orioles this year at the trade deadline in the Trey Mancini deal. Remember, that Mancini trade was actually a three-team deal that involved the Orioles, the Astros, and the Rays. And while Mancini went to the Astros and the Orioles got right-hander Chase McDermott from Houston, they also got right-hander Seth Johnson from Tampa Bay in that deal. Now, the caveat with Johnson, you know, you looked at him, he was one of the Rays' top pitching prospects. He had been a top 10 Rays prospect. That's a top five system in baseball, really most of the time since being drafted. But you looked at him and you said, well, why would the Rays trade him right now in this deal? Well, Seth Johnson had been injured for most of last season. And for the Rays, maybe they felt like it was time to move on in a deal where they did get some big league talent in Jose Siri 
in that trade. And Johnson, a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher now who was a 40th overall selection by the Rays in the 2019 draft out of Campbell, which is why he was eligible this year, was actually a two-way player in college, was a hitter and a pitcher, but the Rays drafted him as a pitcher. He hasn't really thrown a lot of innings in his career, but he's been pretty dominant. He made seven starts in high A this year in the Rays system, had a 3.00 ERA, 41 Ks to 11 walks in 27 innings, but then Johnson went down with an injury and you know was trying to rehab it, trying to get back. But as soon as he got traded to the Orioles, the O's said, it's time to get that surgery. And the day after the trade deadline, I believe, or a couple days after, Johnson underwent Tommy John surgery. So Seth Johnson is 100% going to be out for the entirety of the 2023 minor league season. He will not pitch in a minor league game for the Orioles until 2024. So yeah, that's a little scary because he's going to you know, be already 25 years old by then. But he was a very highly rated prospect. And the thing with Johnson is, because of when he got his Tommy John, here's why the Orioles had to protect him, although he's not going to be a piece at all for the O's next year. If you don't protect Johnson from the Rule 5 draft, another team is going to take him because he's such a highly rated prospect. What the other team would do is draft him, they would put him on the 40-man roster for the offseason, then on opening day, they would transfer Johnson to the 60-day injured list, which would remove him for the time being from the 40-man roster, but open up a spot. He would rehab from his Tommy John all of next year, and then they would place him back on the 40-man roster next offseason, and he would be healthy for spring training of 2024. Now, because of the rules of the Rule 5 draft, Johnson would have to be on the Major League roster for at least 90 days in the 2024 season. But another team would probably think he'd be good enough that once he's healthy in 2024 and he's already 25 years old, he'd be ready to get to the bigs at some point that year so they'd feel confident that they can get him to the big leagues at that time. So that's why the Orioles had to protect him because another team was certainly going to get him. Again, we won't see him pitch next year, but hopefully he's a you know potential big league contributor in 2024 once he comes back from that injury. And then the third and final lock for the Orioles was the shortstop Joey Ortiz, who they took in the fourth round of the draft out of New Mexico State back in 2019. Again, that is why he was eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And Ortiz, while, you know, coming into this season, he was kind of a tweener for this spot. You know, people saying, you know, would he be drafted in the Rule 5 draft? Would the Orioles protect him? It, it you know, we weren't really sure. But then Ortiz put up the season that he did in the minor leagues this year, and he became a stone-cold lock for being protected on the 40-man roster. Ortiz, an elite defensive shortstop, a 24-year-old who just lit things up in the minors this year. In Bowie, he hit 269 with a 792 OPS and hit 15 homers in 111 games. Then he went to AAA Norfolk and somehow got even better. In 26 games at the end of the year with the Norfolk Tides, Ortiz hit 346 with a 967 OPS, four home runs and seven doubles, lit the world on fire offensively while being maybe the best, the best defensive shortstop in all of minor league baseball. That made it an easy choice to add him to the roster. He was going to be plucked by anybody almost immediately. So now for Ortiz looking to next year, he's not going to be on the opening day roster. He, you know, if he's still with the Orioles, he will start the year as the starting shortstop in AAA Norfolk, probably hitting first or second in the Tides order to start the season. 
And then the Orioles are going to see how their shortstop position looks if he's still here. You know, whether Jorge Mateo has that spot or we're seeing a lot of Gunnar Henderson or maybe the Orioles sign one of the big time shortstops or they sign more of a mid-level shortstop in free agency, whatever it may be, Ortiz is going to compete to get to the big leagues in 2023. And I think he will get there because I think he's got a better long-term outlook than Jorge Mateo at the position and could take that spot. Now, what I also think is if the Orioles are going to trade for a big-time player this offseason, especially a big-time starting pitcher, I have a feeling Joey Ortiz would be involved in that trade. But right now, he's got a chance to make an impact in 2023. But those were the three big locks for the Orioles. But they did protect two more players, two more pitchers in Noah DeNoyer and Drew Rahm, who weren't exactly stone-cold locks, but they had good enough seasons to be added to the roster. And coming up next, we'll talk about why they were added and if they could make an impact for the 2023 Orioles. But first, this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. And if you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Locked on Orioles listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you won't want to miss it. And here's why it's great. Simply Safe was named the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. News World and Report. Third year in a row. And in an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. And the 24-7 professional monitoring service, it costs less than a dollar a day. That's less than half the price of ADT's traditional, professionally installed system. So don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system we recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So we're talking about the five players who the Orioles added to the 40-man roster on Tuesday to protect them from the Rule 5 draft. We talked about the three locks that the Orioles added in Grayson Rodriguez, Seth Johnson, and Joey Ortiz. And now the other two players who I didn't think were locks. I predicted they'd be added, but didn't think they were 100% going to be here. But they are. And we'll start with Drew Rahm. The 22-year-old left-hander who the Orioles took out of high school in Kentucky back in the 2018 MLB draft in the fourth round. Now, Rom has been an interesting player because, you know, he was not drafted by this regime. He was taken in the final Dan Duquette draft. That's back in 2018. And he doesn't have the prospect pedigree that Grayson Rodriguez does, who was also taken in that draft where you know he's a top guy. But you can tell, you know, the new regime still likes him to keep him around, get him to AAA and add him to the 40-man roster. But you don't hear as much about Drew Rahm as some of the other guys, even from internal people. Now, Rahm this year for the Orioles just continued to produce on the mound. He made 19 starts in Bowie, had a 4.37 ERA, and then he got to AAA finally and made seven starts with the Norfolk Tides, had a 4.54 ERA in 38 innings. He struck out 43 batters and walked 18. He's got an interesting delivery from the left side where he can kind of drop down and get guys out. He was always kind of lumped in with some of the other soft-tossing lefties like Zach Lowther and Alex Wells, but he does definitely throw harder than those guys and has better stuff. And again, he's only 22 years old. So I think it'll be interesting for Rob because just because a player gets added to the 40-man roster doesn't always mean they're automatically 
going to appear in the big leagues the next season. You saw it with Yusniel Diaz. He was added to the 40-man before last season and you know he got that one plate appearance but he's been on the 40 man for a while without ever appearing in a game if you don't earn it on the rom side it could be just an age and development thing because he's already shown success in triple a the orioles felt like another team would probably claim him especially because he is a left-handed pitcher with good stuff but he's only 22 years old and he's only made seven starts at the AAA level. So there's no doubt in my mind, Drew Rahm will start the 2023 season in the AAA Norfolk Tides rotation. There's basically no chance I think Rahm breaks camp with the Baltimore Orioles. But he's going to pitch out of that rotation for a while. And I will honestly tell you, I would not be surprised if Drew Rahm pitches the entire 2023 season in the Tides rotation. The Orioles kind of handle his innings, get him throwing in spots they want. And hey, if he lights the world on fire, then yeah, maybe sometime after the All-Star break, he you know could debut in the big leagues at 23 years old. He'll be 23 in about a month now. But again, if the Orioles bring in some starting pitching health, whether by free agency or by trades or maybe by both, to go along with the guys who are coming back and already succeeded in 2022 to help this Orioles team really, you know, overstep their expectations, then there's a chance that Rom, just because of he's younger and the O's wouldn't need him, that he doesn't get to the big leagues next year. And that's okay because he would then be in the Orioles big league plans definitely to start the year in 2024. But now that they have him on the 40 man, they know they could protect him and another team's not going to come in and scoop him up. But I would say he was, you know, the fourth most likely to be added. The fifth guy that the Orioles added to the roster was probably the only guy where you could maybe make a case that, hey, maybe another team wouldn't have drafted him in the Rule 5 draft, but it was probably a good idea to add him anyway. And that is Noah DeNoyer, the 24-year-old right-handed pitcher who actually was part of the 2019 draft class per se, but was an undrafted free agent. And this was not a five-round draft. This was not a 20-round draft. This was a 40-round draft in which no one selected Noah DeNoyer out of San Joaquin Delta College. Yet, the Orioles signed him as an undrafted free agent, and, you know, he came in and put up some good numbers in 2021. Had a 2.76 ERA across a couple of levels in the low minor leagues. But then he just lit the world on fire this year. Started the year at Aberdeen, pitched pretty well, and then went to Bowie and was just dominant. In 51 and two-thirds innings in Bowie, did have a, a few injury mishaps and wasn't with the team the entire time, but still, 51 and two-thirds innings. He had a 2.61 ERA in Bowie, struck out 69 batters, and walked just 11. That is an outstanding number from Noah DeNoyer this season. Has a good fastball, good breaking stuff, really electric stuff. Went to the Arizona Fall League this year to show that off as well. And at 24 years old with numbers that good at AA Bowie, DeNoyer is a guy who I think is almost certainly going to start the year in AAA Norfolk next year. Don't think he's probably a piece for the Orioles on opening day just because he hasn't pitched in AAA at all and he owes value doing that. But if he's getting guys out at AAA, I see no problem with at some point next year, Noah DeNoyer joining the Orioles bullpen and helping them out at the big league level. And what a story it would be, an undrafted free agent from the last 40-round draft back in 2019 Getting added to the 40-man roster, just a great story for Noah DeNoyer and uh, awesome that he got added. And I think he's going to be a piece for the Orioles. They really, really like his stuff. This seems to be one of the best, maybe the best undrafted free agent signing of the Michael Elias era so far. And they've got a good one in Noah DeNoyer. So those are the five guys the Orioles put 
on the 40-man roster. There were some other names that you know we talked about maybe having a chance to get added. The left-hander Easton Lucas, right-handers and Kyle Brenovich and Zach Peake and maybe Morgan McSweeney, maybe Garrett Stallings as well. I honestly don't think, as we look towards the Rule 5 draft on December 7th, I don't think another team is going to draft any of those guys. I mean, among all those pitchers, the only guy with AAA experience are Morgan McSweeney and Kyle Brinovich. And Brinovich just underwent Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out for a good amount of next year. And for Morgan McSweeney, just didn't have the same stuff this year that he had in 2021. Maybe he'd get taken, but that really, I feel it could be the only guy that would get drafted. And we're at the point where, you know what? If the Orioles do lose guys in the Rule 5 draft, which hasn't happened in a long time, it's okay. Because you know what that means? That means you're building a really good farm system that is putting together so many good players that you just don't have space to protect them all on the 40-man roster. Good teams with good systems lose players in the Rule 5 draft all the time. It's a sign of how good your system is. And if the O's start losing players and they lose a couple of these guys this year, that is perfectly fine. It means the Orioles have taken another step forward in this rebuild. But of course, for the O's, they got some other news on Tuesday night, not just adding these five players to the 40-man roster. They also got the news on AL Manager of the Year. We'll talk about where Brandon Hyde fell in, and we'll talk about some other MLB coaching news having to do with some former Orioles. That's all coming up next. So the AL Manager of the Year Award was announced on Tuesday night. And unfortunately, Brandon Hyde did not win the award. Now, it was an incredible season for the Orioles, going from 52 wins in 2021 to 83 wins this year. And Brandon Hyde was a big part of that. You know, not just making decisions on the field, making decisions for a bullpen that was really the reason the O's had a winning record, a top five bullpen in baseball for most of the year. But also, you know, holding together this clubhouse and and making all these pieces fit together and having these guys buy in when, even when the front office maybe didn't, when they traded Mancini and Lopez at the trade deadline. But unfortunately, Brandon Hyde finished second. It was Terry Francona, the Cleveland Guardians manager, who won 90 games and won that division this year without really adding anything to their team last offseason, looking like they were tanking a little bit. He won with 17 first-place votes. Now, Brandon Hyde did receive nine first-place votes, which is pretty good, and he finished second. Scott Service of the Mariners, who got one first-place vote, finished third. And then Dusty Baker also got three first-place votes. He was in there as well. But kudos to Brandon Hyde. Again, just like Adley Rutschman, he was in an award race, and he finished second. Of course, Rutschman finishing second to Julio Rodriguez in the AL Rookie of the Year Award that was announced on Monday. But Brandon Hyde deserved this. And again, I still don't know if Brandon Hyde is going to be the long-term manager of the Orioles. We still have questions to answer because he was kind of playing with house money at times this year. And if the Orioles do what they're supposed to do this offseason and really add to this team and make it better, he's going to be highly scrutinized next year because the O's are going to be expected at the very least to be in the playoff race all season. If not, they're going to be maybe expected to make the playoffs next year. And that's going to be the first year with expectations for Brandon Hyde, which means he gets judged very differently. So we will see where he falls in this time next year, but I think very deserving to finish second in that race. Easily had an opportunity and an argument to win this award, but happy for him that nine people voted him first and uh, really saw the great job he did 
in Baltimore this season. But there was some other coaching news before we wrap up that kind of connected to the Orioles. First of all, congratulations to Buck Showalter, the former Orioles manager who won the NL Manager of the Year award, taking the Mets to 101 wins this season. It was a very tight race. He got eight first place votes, as did Dave Roberts of the Dodgers, while Brian Snitker of the Braves got seven first place votes. Ali Marmel got five with the Cardinals. It came down really to some of the second and third place votes, but Buck was able to get that award, and congratulations to him. I'm hoping he can win a World Series at some point here with the Mets. And then we got some other cool coaching news. Ryan Flaherty, who's been kind of a quality control coach with the San Diego Padres over the last few years, actually got to manage a few games for the Padres this year when almost their entire coaching staff got COVID early in the season. Ryan Flaherty, with the San Diego previous hitting coach departing, has been named the hitting coach for the San Diego Padres. Congratulations to Flaherty, course, an Orioles legend. And I'm not going to lie, he got into coaching pretty young after retiring. He's already moving up the ranks. I would not be surprised if this time next year, or maybe at the latest after the 2024 season, if Ryan Flaherty is not in serious consideration for some open managerial jobs across baseball. And hey, if the Brandon Hyde thing doesn't work out, maybe Ryan Flaherty is in the running to be the manager or the next manager of the Baltimore Orioles. That would be a wild time in Baltimore, but congrats to Flaherty, congrats to Showalter, and of course, congrats to Brandon Hyde for finishing second. But that'll do it for today's episode. Of course, the hot stove at the very least, it did start heating up on Tuesday, and hopefully that means some more moves are coming soon, specifically for the Orioles, who really haven't done anything free agent-wise so far this offseason. But we've got a couple more episodes coming up this week. Hopefully I can talk about some moves the O's make. If not, we will still continue our Orioles player review series from the 2022 season. Got a couple more players to get to, and we will get to those later in the week, starting on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.